Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. We just launched a brand new golf podcast called Fairway Rollin', where Joe House is joined by a rotating cast of Ringer and Golf World personalities every week. They'll break down the latest in golf headlines and news from social media, keep up with everything Tiger Woods, and delve into the world of golf gambling. The first episode was just released earlier this week, with new episodes being published every Monday going forward. You can download and subscribe to Fairway Rollin' on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and this is The Corner 3. Joining me here in gorgeous Los Angeles, it's Ringer Associate Editor, Danny Chow. I'm here. Let's talk. And from Dallas, Texas, it's Ringer Staff Writer, Jonathan Charks. I believe you mean center of the basketball universe, Casey. <laughs> We've changed our name over here. <laughs> yes, yes. We will be talking about the Chris Dapps Porzingis trade. Uh, today's podcast is produced and engineered by Bobby Wagner, and we're recording at 9.10 Pacific on Friday morning. Yesterday had one of the most fascinating trades that I can remember with Chris Stapps Porzingis being traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And we're going to break that down from every single angle. The full details of the trade are this. The Knicks traded Porzingis along with the bad contracts of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, plus Trey Burke, to the Dallas Mavericks for point guard Dennis Smith Jr., the expiring contracts of DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews, two first-round picks, an unprotected first in 2021, and a top 10 protected first in 2023. Those are the years that they're likely to be conveyed. Charks, you're a Mavericks fan, so I'm going to leave this to you. Where do we start with this crazy trade? I don't even know. Like, my brain is going in like a million different directions. <laughs> I'll just say this, like, so a little behind the curtains. A couple of days ago, me and Danny were talking like, well, I guess the Mavs could go after like, I don't know, Goran Dragic this summer. And like, it's a little more exciting now. Yeah, like Charks Char- was basically like, I'm completely resigned to the fact that the Mavs are probably going to end up with Goran Dragic and maxing out Boogie. And I was just yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> like a Julius Randle type. Yeah, like and something like just that. Just a completely yeah. lateral kind of like totally Mavericks type move. Well, instead of Boogie or Julius Randle, now we get to fantasize about how Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Luka Doncic will play together. Did you see Carlisle's quote about that? He was like, well, it's basically like if uh, Steve Nash and Dirk were six foot seven and seven foot three. It's just like, oh my God. I think that kind of sums it up for me, right? Like Luca is like a jumbo size Steve Nash and Porzingis, you know, he was compared to Dirk fair or not pre-draft. We have seen the flashes of that over his first couple seasons. Uh, I think the fit could be perfect charts. I think what I'm most excited about with like Luca and KP, and then I was looking back at KP's rosters in New York the last <laughs> oh, three years. Oh, ugly, huh? <laughs> and I was like, well, who was the best point guard he's ever played with? And then it was like... The ghost of Jose Calderon. <laughs> I mean, pre-resurrection Derek Rose, yeah. Trey Burke 4.0. Like, it's really pretty brutal. Up I mean, Dan Devine sh- uh, shouted out Jarrett Jack. But look, yeah. The, Everyone's I mean, the, friend Jarrett Jack. Yeah. The point is, Sad. that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have a guy who can like make Luca, make KP so much better. And I think the two of them together, the thing that also jumped out to me, like looking at KP and breaking down his numbers, is like how few assists he really picks up. Like KP is just like seven foot three gunner, basically. And to me, like if you could have a guy as your first option, he's got to be someone who passes the ball too. And now when KP's in Dallas, he can just gun for shots whenever he feels like it. Luca runs the offense. And I think just the distribution of roles fits really well together. Well, I think that's part of it. Instead of really running the offense through Porzingis net charts, now he has somebody who can do that for him. I think in New York, a lot of the reasons for his inefficiencies, and we'll talk about this later, was a lot of the injuries that that affected his play, but also the fact that he just had so much responsibility. Right. And now somebody's going to be helping him do that. And there was also just a lot of him in the post. It was just a lot of, okay, so Melo's gone, and we're just going to slot you into Melo's role. Uh, And to be fair to Porzingis, he was very good at it. He was very good at at shooting over people because he can shoot over literally anyone in the league, literally anyone in the world, uh, with his arms and with his height and with his shooting ability. So, I mean, now, yeah, we we kind of get to see the full breadth of Porzingis' skills next to already one of the top playmakers in the league. And he'll presumably play five, right? Like, he was playing a lot of four in New York. I can't imagine that'll happen much in Dallas now. To your point, Danny, 
Dallas over the years has always been one of the most frequent pick and roll offenses with Dirk or the rim runners like Tyson Chandler over the years. Porzingis, John, he can do a little bit of both of that. He can pop, he can roll. So I think it'll be a lot less post-oriented offense and a lot more high pick and roll with Luka Doncic. Well, I mean, then it's too like you pick and roll into the post, right? Yeah. If you're going to switch that screen, then boom, you're getting like a six foot four guy on KP. Right? How do you guard a KP Luka pick and roll? Like, what's the coverage? (laughs) There's no obvious thing to do, right? You know, it's interesting. Like, there's so many little different things that can come out of that play, right? Because Luka can pull up from anywhere. He can beat switches. He he can zoom by slower-footed guys. Chris Dapps is a is an effective post scorer who can beat up on some slightly smaller guys. that will be on Luka. And you can't blitz. You can't blitz Luka either. Like he's six foot seven. So. And the thing is. The other guys that were included in this trade completely complement this style of play as well. You're getting Courtney Lee, who's pretty much an automatic 40% uh, three-point shooter. I'm pretty sure he's still healthy. I think they were just kind of benching him. Like, he had a neck thing earlier in the earlier in the year, but they just kind of benched him because they didn't need him. Partially the same thing that they were doing with Enos Cantor, where right. it's like, we're tanking here, guys. Like, all, right. all you better players, get away. Stay away. We and, want Zion. And then you have <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., who is like a legitimate, you know, if you put him on the, in the right situation where he's not trying to carry yeah. the load of being this first option, I think he's he's a very viable, you know, third, fourth option, right? That, that's what our big boss has been saying you know, for a while now with Tim Hardaway, right? Where he, right now he's shouldering uh, a lot of responsibility for the Knicks, scoring 19 points on 16 shots per game. That's not what you want Tim Hardaway doing. Right. You want him in a spot where he's taking 9, 10, or 11 shots per game, more spot-up opportunities, and he's absolutely going to get those in Dallas. And if he's playing in a backcourt with Luka, what, 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven. that's the thing with, like, with this team. They're just going to be so freaking huge. Yeah. Right. Six seven, six seven. Corden Lee's the smallest guy at six five. Maybe he's not even a long term piece. Barnes is six foot eight. KP seven foot three. Like Sharks, how do you see them building around this core? Let's just, just assume. Well, first of all, there was the report yesterday from Sham Sharania that Porzingis was going to inform the Mavericks that he intends to sign the qualifying offer. And then later news came out that suggested he's actually going to give this a chance and the Mavericks feel confident they'd be able to win him over by the summer. I think it's a silly idea that he would sign that qualifying offer. A guy with his injury history, which is really long, and like I said, we'll hit that later. Um, he's going to take that max contract. Well, is he? I don't know. Summer. Like, is he going to play this year? That's the other thing. Like, True. what's his timeline? Right. You don't have any idea. How can you like sell him on the team if he's not playing with them? I think just being around the culture, right? Rick Carlisle, you know, Mark Cuban. They were Luka Doncic, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. They can still, you know, sell him even if he's not playing. Well, that, that's the other thing too. Carlisle's going to have to get his act together. Like, <laughs> you better start kissing KP's butt. Yeah, like, true. you know, like Carlisle, actually, you know, I'm the tough veteran coach. I want a championship. That's all well and good, but KP's 23 year old with an ego. He's going to want to get massaged and pampered. So, Charks, here's a question. You, you are, you know, a Dallas guy through and through. So, what? How? How is the fit going to be off the court? <laughs> Yeah, man. I don't know. Like, I think it's good in a sense that they're going to like go out drinking all the time because like they'll be friends, right? Right. But yeah, the Dallas isn't New York, but there's plenty of places to have a good time. And Luca, from all I understand, likes to have a good time. KP loves to have a good time. Like, <laughs> good times are going to be had, man. We're throwing some European discos. We're gonna we get the whole thing going on. I here. mean, we've seen we've seen those legendary, like iconic drunk Dirk and Steve Nash photos. Wonderful. So you know, you oh, know, hey, look, it's Dirk and Nash on EDM. That's what this is, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's EDM Dirk. Well, here's the thing, though, with their roster, who's gonna be partying with these guys out in the Dallas scene? Who else is a keeper on this roster, Charks, right now? See, that's the question. I think they got three young guys. I think will stick around that are pretty cheap. So you've got Jalen Brunson, a backup point guard, Dorian Finney-Smith, six foot eight, three and D wing ish, Maxi Kleber, kind of a do it all, jack of all trades, big. Those are probably all bench guys on a good team. I think those those are your three. They're part of supporting cast. They're very cheap. Whatever. The big question is going to be with Hardaway and Barnes. Like, how are those guys going to fit? Because I was like talking to Danny about this. There's a lot, of, like for Luca as the point guard, there's a lot of guys who are gunning for shots. 
Tim Hardaway don't pass the ball. Harrison Barnes mm-hmm. never passes the ball. It's amazing. Does Harrison Barnes like, know how to pass sh- the ball? Does he know that's an <laughs> option? Or, or like, does his controller just not work? The button, the pass button just doesn't work for him. I think he's like, he left Golden State and it's like, you know, I'm the guy now. Like, I don't want to be <laughs> stuck in this role. And I'm not even sure, but he never passes. So that'll be kind of tough for Luke. I think Luca is going to have to grow a lot in terms of, man, I got to keep a lot of guys happy right now. There's a lot of, that ball's not going to move unless Luca moves that ball. So I'm not sure about Barnes long-term either. I, I could see him getting moved. I think, you know, with some of these names, they're not part of the long-term picture. The question really will be is when do they add those guys to this core long-term? Because if you, if, assuming they give Chris Stapps the max this summer, uh, you look at their cap situation, they're l- unlikely to have more than the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which means they could create cap space in 2020, but that's a weak free agent year. Okay, KOC, before we get there, I got to like, let me re- like, let's hit this. So you're thinking they're going to max out KP this summer and that's going to be done? Well, here's the thing. So from the Knicks perspective, uh, I think this summer there's a high likelihood there would have been a max offer sheet on the table for him or at least a near max offer sheet. So whether or not Dallas wants to give him the money, I think the probability is out there that somebody would max him. So Dallas would have to match anyway. You're not going to just let him walk. Unless, so you think he's not going to send the qualifying offer and do that one? You think I, that's I, I just, I would be absolutely floored. Because I, I think I'm it, just it was like, a bluff, I think. Put it that way. I think okay. it was all a bluff. Yeah. The thing I'm like worried about more than anything else is that he takes this one-year offer. Things don't work out. I mean, like you can see the downside really fast, right? If he leaves, then Luca's like, this team sucks. And it's like, man, they got like these unprotected picks sitting out there. I feel this could be Brooklyn South if it goes south. Unless KP signs that offer. <laughs> right? Okay. Sharks. So <laughs> what, what, one thing to, what would the bluff be? What what would the bluff be in terms of him taking that qualifying offer? Would like what does that entail? Like I want well, that out. means I want to next summer he's right. unrestricted free agent. So right. yeah, sure. on your offer. One thing that I heard yesterday, um, this was after that initial report from Shams came out and before the stuff that came out later about him possibly, you know, giving this a chance. The one thing that I heard is that the teams that he actually has interest in are the original list of teams that Woj reported were pursuing Porzingis. Those teams were the the Raptors, the Heat, the Nets, the Clippers, and the Spurs. I've heard that those were the five teams that he actually would have interest in joining. And, you know, I reported this in, in December. Frank Isola reported it last year. The Spurs are a team that really likes Kristaps Porzingis. I think maybe the Nets with the cap space they have can make that offer sheet for, Porz- for Porzingis. Maybe maybe Dallas wins him over. Maybe they don't. But I still think they're in a spot where they would match that offer sheet anyway. Even of if, course they would. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, you know, That's not even a question. Exactly. So I, I just don't see a scenario where he would sign the qualifying offer. I just I just would be floored if that were to happen. With his injury history, uh, I just can't see how it's even an option. Yeah, because I've I've wondered if if some guy would do that. And it's just like... It's crazy to think a seven foot three guy with a twenty sale would be the guy to like break that wall and just go ahead and take the qualifying offer. But if he does, that's a whole different ballgame. Sharks, you know, I, I, we alluded to this earlier, but in 2020, the top unrestricted free agent is Draymond Green. Other than that, there's really not much out there. In 2021, you know who I like, stronger. Who, who do you like? The guy I like, um, I'm not sure when he's up, but Bogdan Bogdanovich. Let's go full Euro, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if, you, if you're if you're talking Euro, why not in 2021 pursue Giannis Antetokounmpo? Oh, well, you know whose brother plays for this team now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Mavs, yeah, so the Mavs right. have yeah, exactly. they drafted Costa Antetokounmpo. They have a yep, G yep, League team. Yep. I mean, it's definitely a thing they're thinking about. 100. percent I mean, it's like, definitely a, a thing percent. that all Mavs fans in my mentions have been <laughs> have been thinking about. <laughs> why not? Why not? I mean, never it's say so never. Far away, but yeah, the Mavs aren't ones to like use cap space. They like to think big. It, it is far away, but it's not that far away. It's 2021 will be here before we know it. You know, it's already 2019, man. 2021 is only two years away. I, I think, you know, I, I would bet on Giannis staying in Milwaukee if they continue, you know, being a contending like team. Yeah, the best what, team in the league. They, they, they've been unbelievable. Um, but a lot can change in two years. I think for now, for the Mavs, though, like, I think right now the biggest thing is Luca and KP, we want you guys to get a trillion statistics. Feel great about yourselves. We're not worrying about a third person right now. This is your team. Y'all are the show. However many stats you want to get, just go for it. Don't even worry about anyone else right now. Let's just get your numbers up. Get you happy. Sign you long-term. If you guys were to bet, would you guys bet on KP playing a game this season? I mean, no one's talked about it. I have no idea. Well, KP, there was reports, I think maybe in November or December, that KP... or. Whenever it was, KP thought he could play at some point this season, right. but the Knicks were the ones who were like, no. 
because <laughs> they're tanking. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're tanking. They're trying to lose games to increase their odds at Zion Williamson. Um, and KP would help them win games. For Dallas, they're in an interesting spot right now, Sharks, where there is incentive to lose games because of the increased odds with their current top five protected pick that could be conveyed to Atlanta if it doesn't land in the top five. Uh, okay, actually, KOC, what was the deal with these picks? I got really confused by this. Okay. So at one point I heard that Hawks pick was no longer protected at all. It, I don't understand. So basically, here's how the picks work out. Right now, Dallas owes a top five protected pick to the Atlanta Hawks. If they convey that to Atlanta, the picks will be in 2021 and 2023 going to the New York Knicks. If the if the Dallas Mavericks land in the top five this year with their draft pick, uh, right now they have 9.4% odds of landing in the top four, then they keep their pick, which would mean they give the 2020 pick to Atlanta. So instead, they would give the 2022 and the 2024 to the New York Knicks. Okay, and 2022 is unprotected completely? That the yes. first Knicks pick they yes. said? Yes, the right. first one is unprotected. Okay. The second one is top 10 protected. That That's the way it'll work. Um, I think the, the likelihood is that they will give up the 19 to Atlanta, then 21 and 23 right. to the Knicks. And But we'll see what happens on lottery night. The, the, the you know Dallas Mavericks right now, they have a depleted roster. Right, uh, we'll see how Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee fare next to Luka Doncic. But they, if they continue to lose games, right now they're only two and a half back from the seventh best odds. Right. Here's my guess is what would happen. I think if the Mavs got the one, they would take Zion. If they got two through five, they're gonna they're gonna move that pick. I would guess they're not gonna keep it. What's and funny so- is. I've always pretty much wanted Zion on the Knicks just because I think the pairing of him and Porzingis is like ideal. The fact that it could maybe potentially very small percentage, but it could potentially happen in Dallas just is delightful. Along with, All I'm saying along is with we a, we're going to need a ringer Mavs beat rider position. I might just have to stop covering this. <laughs> if they get Zion, KP, and Luke on the same team, are you kidding me? Well, as of now, there's a 2% chance uh, that could happen. But like I said, if they, if not da- nothing, if Dallas rises up the lottery rankings to sixth or seventh worst record, they could have a 9%. Seven and a half percent chance at Zion Williamson. Ooh. Oh my goodness, pretty good. I, I, I also think worth pointing out, like that tw- if it's a 2022 pick, that's probably gonna be the double draft. So if that could be an unprotected double draft pick, that'd be incredible. Absolutely, I think that's an interesting variable for the Knicks. Um, with Chris Stapps Porzingis, we've alluded to this a couple times, but it's not like this is a a guarantee for the Mavericks. There's an right. element of risk here considering Porzingis is. Injury history. He's missed yeah. 110 of 296 possible games in his four seasons, thanks to this very short list of injuries torn left ACL, sore left Achilles, sore left knee, sprained left ankle, sore left groin, sprained left quad, bruised left thigh, sore right hip, sprained right ankle, sore right foot, inflammation to the bone and tendon of his right knee, lower back tightness, right shoulder strain, an unspecified right elbow issue, upper respiratory infection, <laughs> bouts of the stomach flu. Danny, you, you look in utter shock right now at this no, list of injuries. So what it sounds like, okay, so KP is 23 years old. Mm-hmm. What it sounds like is he just kind of doesn't really know his body. And, you know, he might just be a very rash player who's like, you know, of the kind of old school Iverson ilk who's just like, I'm just going to play through all of this because like I'm young and I can do this. But the thing is, he his games played per season has dropped Every single season he's been in the league, which is not something you ever want to see. That that has dropped every single season of his career. And also, the one trend, though, is that every year around mid-year's production just hits a wall. As a rookie, he hit it in mid-January. As a sophomore, it happened in mid-December. And then last season, he had that just ridiculous start, averaging 30 points, a true shooting percentage of 61. He was talked about as an MVP candidate. He was amazing. He, he, was, he was unbelievable. And, and then he fell off a cliff. His efficiency dropped. Every His production across the board dropped. And that's where maybe it's a good thing playing alongside Luka Doncic where he, somebody can help carry the load for him. But the concern is, is a lot of these injuries are non-contact. There were questions pre-draft about his durability with his funky seven foot three frail frame. It's a, it's a legitimate concern moving forward for the Knicks. And I bet this was the real reason why they were reluctant to give him the money, not because of his unhappiness with the team. And it's also why for Dallas, this is a risk. It's a risk worth taking because they're not the free agent destination that the Knicks are where they can open space and sign somebody. For the for the Mavs, this was a chance to get a superstar player despite the risk charts. So it does make you wonder. I think this is a good segue to the next part of our conversation. So do you think this trade from the Knicks perspective was more about what could happen this summer or was about 
KP? I don't know about KP, really. I think it's both. I, I do. Um, you know, you and I and, and Roger Sherman all had different angles on this trade for the Knicks and Mavericks. Uh, mine focused, you know, mostly on the Knicks. And I think for them, they're in a spot right now where by doing this trade, they can create over $70 million in cap space, which means they could open the, the cap to sign two max players. They want to pursue Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That is no secret in the league. It hasn't been a secret for a while now. Before this trade, they would have had to have given up first-round picks to dump Courtney Lee or Tim Hardaway. That's what people assume they would do this summer if they were able to sign KD and another max player. Instead, they went the other way by trading Chris Stapps and getting, getting picks in return. I think that's part of it, Sharks. I think the other side of it is, it's a, you know, it relates to the injuries. Do you really want to give Chris Stapps Porzingis this money when he's not happy here and he also hasn't proven that he can sustain success over a full season? Um, I think it's a legitimate concern. I, I remember last year, I think you actually edited this article, Danny. The La- KP piece? The KP one, yeah, yeah. last season. Um, I, I, there was like a story I had in there. I had lunch with two executives one time a couple years ago. And we were oh, talk- yeah, I remember yeah. this. Yeah, yeah we, I remember we were talking, talking about Chris Stapps Porzingis and, and one of the executives, you know, is like I, I love him. I, I'd, I'd trade for him. I'd give up, you know, number one pick or whatever. And then the other guy's like, I wouldn't. I I don't think he's built for success. Look at his history of injury. Look at how his production drops every year. And also, like, how great is he really um, in that soup in that number one role? Uh, I'm butchering the story, but point is, is that there's. It's not like there's consensus across the league that this guy is going to be a top ten player. There's a lot of people who don't view him as that. Um, so for the Knicks. Maybe that was part of it, not just with Phil Jackson going back to the times where they could have traded him for the number four pick to get Josh Jackson or all the other trade rumblings. Maybe there's just an element where they're like, let's flip this now for a really young point guard prospect and Dennis Smith, who we liked in the draft, and get the cap space to do this crazy stuff this summer or in the future. I think it's all of it in combined charts. So you think, I mean, like, there's a case to be made then, like, even if they don't get their stars this summer, having all these picks and then using their cap space for a million different reasons might be a better long-term play than keeping KP at 160 million then. For sure. I think, mm-hmm. you know, through all of this, you know, we've talked so much about the, you know, the potential of signing free agents this summer and the draft picks they got. Dennis Smith is still an appealing prospect, isn't he, Danny? He's only 20 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've been, you know, hammering this the entire year. Look, it takes a really long time for point guards to develop. Mm-hmm. And the guy is one of the top three athletes in the league. You know, when you have a chance with a guy like that on a rookie contract, why not? I will say this, like this team, this post-apocalyptic trade team from a quality <laughs> perspective, it's kind of fun, right? Dennis Smith, Frankie Smokes, Alonzo Trier, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Noah Robinson, Vonley. Noah Vonley. They've got some prospects. They're kind of a fun team. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it was Jason Concepcion who was just like, I am terrified of those 12 games in which Dennis Smith Jr. is just going to go off and ruin our lottery chances. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I mean, in theory, yeah, Dennis, yeah. Dennis and Frank, right? That's kind of an interesting pairing. If Frank even plays them anymore, I don't even know. I that, mean, that's that, eight and nine in the uh, 2017 yes, draft, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and there, there was you know people in the Knicks front office that preferred Dennis Smith over Frank Nilakina. Of course, uh, it's a well known by now that Nilakina was Phil Jackson's pick. It was one of the last decisions he made. I'm thinking about it, right, so. Like, let's say, forget the free agents. Like, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, front court, Dennis Smith. You draft a win. They have a fun young team. And they're loaded with picks here, right? Um, there was a report that dropped during the podcast uh, from Shams Rania that, and this is not a secret at this point, the Lakers are Anthony Davis's preferred destination. Um, but Shams added that the Knicks are also a preferred landing spot for Anthony Davis. And I think that's one of the intriguing aspects of this trade for the Knicks because I reported this yesterday the Pelicans were notified that Porzingis did not intend to re-sign there long-term if he were traded there, similar to Lonzo Ball, who said he doesn't want to play in New Orleans. And look, these guys who are on rookie contracts, they don't have much say, as we talked about earlier, because the team has their rights. But regardless, Wojnowski also reported that the Pelicans didn't want Chris Stapps anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, this summer, if this lasts until the summer, they might want Dennis Smith. They might want Kevin Knox. They might want wherever that pick lands. They might want... Frank Nilakina, they they may want these future Dallas Mavericks picks and future Knicks picks. They might want all that. So I think for New York, they position themselves, and this is 
probably not going to happen, but they at least position themselves to be able to dream to sign two max players and then have the assets that work salary wise to land Anthony Davis. They could at least have the ability to do that. It's the best of both worlds. You basically get that max space for two guys. Plus you have a war chest in your back pocket. Whether or not it's desirable to most teams is to be determined, but you at least give you you at least give yourself that option. I think Kevin Pelton on ESPN when he wrote his trade grades uh, made the comparison to the D'Angelo Russell trade. Um, that's a good comparison. That's a very yeah. good comparison yeah. uh, in terms of look, you're letting go of a very quality talent, ironically from the same draft, <laughs> uh, but you know the amount of flexibility that you get as a result of it is. It, I mean, it basically created the Lakers team as we know it. We should probably get into this too. This trade kind of changes the whole Anthony Davis thing because all of a sudden with this Kyrie talk happening, maybe New Orleans is not Boston's trade off for the summer like in their back pocket anymore. That, that was always a concern, Charks. I, I, I think for New Orleans, that's why right now they need to seriously consider any offers that are on the table because, look, things can change by the summer. Either AD gets hurt or Tatum gets hurt. Or Boston decides, you know what? We're not offering Tatum. We'll give you Jalen Brown, though. That that's always a possibility by the summer. Um, so I think with the Knicks, suddenly, do they move into that pole position if they were to land the number one pick or even the number one, number two pick? Maybe right. Pelicans love R.J. Barrett. Maybe they love John Morant. Maybe if it's in the top three, they prefer that player over Jason Tatum. We don't know how they independently value these guys. Um, I think the Knicks increase their odds of getting Anthony yeah. Davis. Yeah, and I yeah. think really, though, like it makes Davis more available right now for anyone. I think like every team should be trying to get him right now because Boston's not there to like trump, imaginarily trump your offer. Uh, right now, they just can't even make an offer because of the, the rule where they already traded for a, design, a rookie signed to a, as a designated player in Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So they literally cannot make an, a trade for Anthony Davis now unless they were to trade Kyrie Irving. But Anthony Davis's interest in Boston hinges on Kyrie Irving being there because right. of the close friendship that they have. And so the tough thing for the Celtics this summer is that <laughs> suddenly <laughs> the Knicks are more appealing as a destination for him. And they have the team that has been looming since he was a young player for the Cleveland Cavaliers as a team that wants to pursue him and will pursue him this summer. And now... Instead of the Knicks being able to pitch Kyrie saying, oh, come play with Chris Stapps Porzingis, a guy that has missed 110 of 296 possible games and has only sometimes flashed superstar potential. It's like, oh, maybe you can come with KD or AD, two of your really close friends. So I think the Knicks position themselves to, look, they aren't necessarily going to make it happen, but they can make a stronger pitch this summer to these star players than they could have before the trade. And I think for Boston... They have to be just shook a little bit here. Um, the Knicks were always a str- threat for Kyrie, and the fact that they increased their odds means their odds can be decreased for AD, which means for the Pelicans, there's less incentive to wait until the summer. Right. <laughs> and there's yeah, more that, risk yeah, that means the summer. <laughs> the Lakers are probably loving this then in some sense because now their offer looks a lot better. But they've very put all their guys on the table, right? Ingram, Zubach, Lonzo, Hart, the picks, Kuzma, whatever. I love the fact that Zubach is just like a just a shoe in for this trade, like. He's just suddenly a, a trade <laughs> asset that we all agree. Hey, it's like, okay, yeah. You know what? Let, let's hit this real real quick right now. One thing that I heard through all the madness yesterday is that, and you just you know mentioned this, Charks, is that the offers Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Zubats, and two first-round picks for AD. That's what I heard right now is the offer from the Lakers to the Pelicans. If I'm New Orleans, I'm going to give us the four first-round picks and we'll do it right now. <laughs> See, to me, there's better offers out there, though. More, like, I don't believe that's four, the best offer. Even more than four first-round picks? Like, I, I, well, I'm doing a piece next week on like other teams that can go all in for AD. Like, uh, Toronto. To me, if you could get like Siakam, OG, and like Fred Van Vliet and some picks, I'd rather have that than Lakers picks. are going to be useless anyways and the Lakers young guys. Look, the, so the Raptors got stomped by the Bucks, uh yesterday night, but it was a perfect perfect Siakam showcase. Oh, he was great. <laughs> he was so yeah. good. I'm <laughs> saying Siakam OG frontcourt for 5-10 years. I'm more into that than the LA package. You know, I, I think the threat of AD leaving after one year for the Lakers is super, super real. If there's there's a real chance that ha- that yeah, would happen. Yeah, but if you but, got but, you Kawhi know, and AD together, well, yeah, I agree. And you know, I I, I made the same point, you know, in my article last week, where it's like Toronto, the Nuggets. If mm-hmm. you pair them with your star players after a year, 
AD, how is he going to leave that? Like, all, ultimately, AD wants to win above all else. Clutch, and you know, there's an aspect that he wants to play with LeBron in LA too. But if you're winning the NBA finals, I know, yeah, I know, Clark's exactly, right. exactly. And if you're winning the NBA finals with one of those teams, or at least competing for a finals, how do you leave that? I think it's worth the risk for one of those teams. And I feel if like it, for Toronto, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure, especially now. And if Toronto, let's say Toronto or Denver were to make a deal now, pre-deadline, guess what? They could flip them during the summer and, pro- and get yeah, that Lakers deal. Out. Yeah, they yeah. could get that Lakers deal or that Celtics deal from whatever whoever during the offseason. So I think right now, those teams should be pushing for an AD trade, knowing that they could flip him during yeah, the offseason Yeah, me and Danny were talking well. about this like, Kawhi and AD on the same team. Like, oh, is there boy. even a comparison there, for like there is two no players comparison. that skill set on the same team in their prime? Like, the closest that I got was a, a tandem that never existed. Uh, T Mac and Tim Duncan, who were, uh, you know, <laughs> reportedly, yeah. you know, very close to being mm, Orlando. On, right? yeah, yeah, on on Orlando yeah. for a bit. But you know, I can't think of a better comparison than that. I mean, yeah, you got a seven foot guy defensive player of the year, a six foot eight guy defensive player of the year. They both can score 30 points in a game like it's nothing. Like, that's insane. I would not be surprised if a, you know, sleeper team stepped up to the plate here and made a, made a significant offer that's acceptable for the Pelicans before the deadline. But I also, I just ultimately comes down to the point where I think the threat of him leaving for LA is just so real that these teams. They have, they are in really good spots right now. Particularly, right. you know, Toronto and Denver, the two team, two teams that can theoretically make a strong offer for AD. I'm not sure you can give that up. Um, it really depends on how much you're giving up here. I, I, I mean, how many first round picks are you adding to Siakam and OG and Obi? How many are you adding to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter? I think that's where the, what the risk comes down to is what's everything else in, in the package. Um, in I think that the guys. difference though, like if the Celtics aren't on the table because they have all those juicy, I guess the Knicks are on the table now, but like the Lakers picks aren't that exciting because they have LeBron and AD in this scenario. So those picks aren't like unbeatable. No. Whereas the Boston trade package is so different because they had such so many high picks. Exactly. And I, I think that's why the Boston trade is still the most appealing one out there for the New Orleans Pelicans because they could get a, a really good young player in Tatum or Brown or some combination, including Marcus Smart. And then they can get a Grizzlies pick that right now is top eight protected in 19, top six protected in 2020, 2020 and then unprotected in 2021. Uh-oh. I mean, that is a really appealing yeah. draft pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, there, there's some good deals out there for them. Uh, just to circle back to that Lakers offer uh, again. So I get the impression that both you guys wouldn't have any interest at all in taking that right now. Is that fair to say? Like the Zo- Ingram, Ball, Zubats, Kuzma? If two, uh, two I would say no interest, but if, I think there's better offers. Yeah, I mean, if, they, if, the, if the Lakers threw everything, that would, that would probably be the only, the only way. In which I, I think if I, they do I'm that, I'm like shopping that offer. I don't know if no one's being very aggressive right now, but if LA gives me that offer, I'm shopping it everywhere around the league to see if it can be beaten. I'm not just making it. I'm curious about that deal. Is it less appealing because there's no guaranteed star player in that? Like Tatum is is not a guaranteed star, but he there's a higher probability. Well, I guess here's what he's the, I guess I've gotten my head star. about this Toronto thing. Like, would you rather have Siakam or Brandon Ingram? <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> have Brandon Ingram. Okay. I just I think Siakam. I'm not a, sure anymore. I think Siakam is a really, really, really good player um, who has been better than I think anybody, any of us right. could have expected. Maybe better than he, even he could have expected, for that matter. Um, but there, there's a certain like in between element of his, of his game that doesn't really exist, like yet the shot, the shot the, creation, the shot creation, the dribble aspect, right, exactly, yeah. which is something that Brandon Ingram has in spades, but he doesn't really have a lot of the things that Siakam does. So it's kind of like this weird. And I've I've talked yeah, to LA fans about this where they were like they saw Siakam play once and they were just like, wait, I think this guy's better than Ingram. Right now he is. Yeah. Right now I he's remember, better. I remember watching a game. I think it was a Utah game, and he was like taking it at Gobert constantly and just finishing over Gobert. I'm like, this guy can finish over anyone. He's got the handles a little bit. He can pass on the move. Yeah. And his shot, like Ingram's shot's still guarantee either. Siakam is getting better as a shooter. I think he's a better free throw shooter than Ingram right now as it is. Here's the thing. Siakam turns 25 in April. 
That's true. Ingram that's just true. turned 21 in September. Yeah, that's that's uh, wild. That that's that's the big difference here. And you know, Ingram over the past six games has impressed. I think you know, Ingram. It's just a short little stretch, but he's averaging nearly 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, 68 true shooting percentage. He's getting to the rim at will. He's finishing well, and he's hot for mid range. Um, Ingram has shown these flashes for stretches. Uh, at a young age where he was expected to come into the league with his lanky frame and it would take a while. Look, man, I, I feel like he's been underrated a little bit through this whole conversation. And then if you consider New Orleans, whether they want to keep Lonzo Ball, who also is a really good defender, really good rebounder, really good passer. There's been a lot of focus on his lack of a jumper and scoring, but he can do a lot else for you already. And I think Phoenix, the, there's been talk of them having interest in Lonzo Ball. If you were to flip Ball, maybe for... TJ Warren and Josh Jackson or something like that. Sure. I like that, the Lonzo Devin Booker backcourt. That'd be a good me backcourt. Me too. I, I just think for New Orleans, they seriously need to consider that offer now if, if the Lakers are willing to move to three or four unprotected first-round picks because there's a chance it could get worse this summer, as you mentioned, Charks, because of the possibility that that Boston offer wouldn't be there or the Boston offer would be diminished. And then the Lakers would be in a spot where they wouldn't have to give all of that up or to offer all that. Well, one other thing I just I was just thinking about, like, I wonder if New Orleans is worried they make a trade now to a team, and that team trades AD this summer for a better deal, right? Mm-hmm. That got to be a bit concern. <laughs> oh, to like the Denver Nuggets or Toronto Raptors. Yeah, and they flip yeah. them somewhere else, and it's like they look really bad in that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, the optics would be terrible with that. Like, okay, you so, can't worry about the optics, right? Though. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but you really can't. Do, but yeah, people do though. You know they, they do. You're right. That sure. uh. Did you guys see that Brad Turner tweet uh, about how Magic had basically laid out five different offers? Yeah. How does that work, do you think? They, like, Because they, wouldn't all five, if he laid them out all at once, wouldn't all five have to be kind of lateral? Like they would all have to essentially build up to the same conclusion, right? It's not like one offer oh, is like yeah. low-balled and then the other. And then it's it's not like he's giving yeah. a full spectrum of the deals, yeah. right? Well, like Maddox negotiating himself like 10 minutes. Like, all right, fine. Uh, yeah, I want that one. I want the fifth one. <laughs> I'm glad you brought out Magic Johnson because, you know, and the optics for that matter, because through all of this, there's been the conversation about like Popovich telling telling Dell Demps, don't trade him to the Lakers, you know? I, I don't care if the Lakers tampered. If you're the Pelicans... You need to take the best deal. I don't care if Magic Johnson is tucking Anthony Davis into bed at night and whispering him stories of the Lakers' glory years to make him fall asleep. It doesn't matter. You need to take the best deal regardless of it. You need to remove emotion from the equation. And I think it's petty to care about all that stuff. You need to take the best hey, deal regardless Kevin, of everything Kevin else. Kevin O'Robot, man. It's hard to do that sometimes. Uh, People got I mean, feelings. Yeah, well, you, you got you to gotta take the best deal. And I don't know if that's the Ingram Ball, Kuzma, Zubat's first-round pick right. package. It may not be. And I think Boston could do better. I think other teams theoretically could too. Yeah, I think that's like my main takeaway from this whole thing is like New Orleans needs to get on it. Don't be waiting for an offer that might never come. Let's get moving on this thing. So with Anthony Davis right now, he is, you know, on his second contract, wanting out of New Orleans with Chris Dapps Porzingis, just to circle back to him, he was still on his rookie deal, already pushing his way out. Well, when we were, you know, talking ahead of the podcast, Charks, you had some thoughts about how this could have implication down implications down the line. Well, I was just thinking from like the Mavs perspective, if KP would do this, why wouldn't Luca do it in two years if this team isn't going anywhere? Right? If you know them, I've I've wondered for a long time whether a guy would ever actually do this, whether he would ever actually turn the money down. Like it's never happened before. But if you have confidence in yourself and the money you will make eventually, no matter what, why not give yourself more leverage? Like you saw with Porzingis, he got into a better situation. If I was like Zion's agent, I'd be watching this. I'd be wondering if that's something I could do myself in four years. If I were in their shoes, I would automatically take the money. But you're right. You're right. I don't have that kind of like supreme confidence in myself. And the fact I mean, that... I'm, or like Carl Towns, right? Yeah. Carl Towns has got to be thinking about this right now. Like, dang, I'm here for a long time. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> this team isn't going anywhere. I mean, but there's still, there's still time for, you know, Minnesota to kind of turn it around. I, I think like you take the money and you, with the hope that, you know, the organization does right by you. There's no guarantee of that, but like, there's also it's, they'll never do no, right by you, right? That it because it, it's a business, and again, like it's the flip side. You didn't take emotion out of the equation. It, it's it's the fear of getting hurt if a Derrick Rose esque injury happens, mm-hmm. or Demarcus Cousins for that matter. Boogie was supposed to be a guaranteed max player, then he gets hurt, and what is he signing for five million with the Warriors? It, 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 it's it's the fear of getting hurt. 
Um, I mean, got few, very few guys in the past. I think Bobby Marks tweeted out 15 first-round picks have signed the qualifying offer in the past. Ben Gordon, Michael Oluwakandi. I mean, it's they, guys I mean, who didn't Robert get paid, Swift. right? Yeah. yeah. It was never guys who had the money and turned it down. It was guys who didn't get the deal they wanted. I mean, the funny thing is, is I, I looked it up, uh, the Michael Oluwakandi one. He had an offer from the Clippers for like seven years, $65 million, and he wanted seven years, $85 million or something like that. Uh, so he signed the qualifying offer. And then the rest of his career ended up signing well, a three-year, I mean, 60, you know, $16 million just, dollar To stay deal. in like yeah. the ma- modern era, uh, how about Nerlens Noel, right? I forget how much money was offered, yep. but it was a lot more than $3 million. You got in Oklahoma City. It was like City. 16, 17 mil a year, right? For sure. You know, they're, they're, a lot of the guys we're mentioning aren't players who have shown, have shown the upside as Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Right. Um, but that's the thing. is like, it's a guy who has the money in his back pocket guaranteed. That's a whole different scenario I've never seen before. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to be thing happen more often. I don't know. I do wonder if it'll ever happen. Um, I, 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 like we talked about earlier, I think it was a bluff with Chris Tapps, but who knows? Sometimes it seems like a bluff and then they actually do it. Uh, there's always a possibility uh, moving forward. Because um, I, I was thinking like with Luca, like Luca doesn't know the Mavs anything. Like Luca was who he was in like 16 years old. He came to a team that gutted themselves to get him. He doesn't know him for developing him. He can say in two years, this team is not good enough. Dallas, I don't even care about Dallas really. It's just a random city to me. Does he seem happy there, Charks? I, I, I mean, feel he's happy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm saying he's happy, but he doesn't owe them anything, right? I think even right. compared to most young guys, Luca's always. You know, he always says, "I've been a pro since I was 11 years old." Like he doesn't care. <laughs> like he know he knows the deal. Like whenever you ask him a question, "I've been a pro since I was told just a business, just a games, basketball." Like Charks, if you I don't were think to he had the same loyalty. if you were to rate your Doncic impression from a scale of one to ten, what would it be? That was bad. Probably like a two. But I'm saying like Luca's got the pro quote stuff. You can tell he doesn't really care. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And KOC, you you said at the very top of this, you know, two years is not a long time. No, it's not. It'll be here before we know it. Is is there anything that we didn't hit with this Dallas-New York trade that that we need to hit right now before we move on to actual basketball stuff? Games are still Uh, being played, guys. I guess really small... I expect you'll see Wesley Matthews and like the Rockets in like two weeks. Um, DeAndre yeah, Jordan right. get bought out. Potentially right. So the guys who got sent, I think Matthews in a small role could still be a very helpful player for Houston. I think the Sixers De- DeAndre, and, the same and Thunder thing. will have to Sixer, probably. Sixers want Wesley Matthews. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that would make a lot of sense yeah. too. We'll see if so I think he'll, he'll, he'll be playing significant minutes for someone in April and May. So DeAndre Jordan, you guys? He'll get bought out too, I'm sure. I mean, actually, I was saying DeAndre and Anis Karen, the same team, is hilarious for like two weeks. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> if DJ does get bought out and signs of the contender, he starts trying. Yeah. Know, yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, I mean, the Rockets have been doing really well with Fareed, and DeAndre has been wanting to play for the Rockets for like eight years now. <laughs> it's amazing how the Rockets plug in any. Yeah, anyway, right. For, Fareed's team done, and then, yeah. woo! That was great with Houston. Yeah, James Harden, man. It's pretty easy. I could see both DeAndre and Wesley Matthews in Houston, actually, I think about it. Why not? Well, as mentioned. Basketball games are still being played. And yesterday, LeBron James was back. Best player in the world. Lakers beat the Clippers 123 to 120 in overtime. LeBron got a little warm up in before Saturday's game of the Warriors against the Lakers. My only real thought from this game is LeBron's jumper looked weird. <laughs> like he looked like an old man jumper, one for six from three, wasn't leaving the floor much. Well, I mean, I just you know, hope he's not rushing back, Danny. A, a groin injury. You know, the the thing about NBA players is, you know, it's it's all you know, their bodies are temples, and when one thing's off, everything's mm. off. So it, it's it's largely just probably just getting back into form. He looked more or less like himself. Yeah, um, everything. Yeah, everything playing kind of half yeah. speed, but you know, yeah. It, it takes a while. Sixers also beat the Warriors yesterday. Clay Thompson did not play for Golden State, um, but it was still really yeah, that nice. That was a, for Philly, for yeah, sure. A great so win for them. Really nice win. They beat the Warriors 113 to 104. Nobody on Golden State besides Stephen Curry could hit a three pointer. Uh, only Kevin Durant hit one. The rest of the team, I believe, was one for 20, I think, from three point <laughs> range last night. Uh, Jonah Bolden has continued to emerge, Charks. Yes. Um, he had eight points last night in 14 minutes, had some really nice defensive possessions for Philadelphia last night. He, he's emerged into a quality player. I mean, that's for Philly. Like, if they can get Bolden and Shamit and they can trust them in the playoffs for like 15 minutes, it really makes them a better team. And Philly is a team I think would be very interesting to watch the next week what they're going to do. I'm really curious to see if they make a move or what the move is going to be. For for them, I think they need to add two things. I know they're looking for a wing. 
and they need a better backup center. I, I think Bolden has done a nice job, and, and you know maybe he can play some five for you in smaller lineups, uh, but you still need a bigger backup five. I, I think Dwayne Dedman from Atlanta makes some sense That would be the dream. I'd like yeah. that. Yeah. The question is, what do you too. give up? To get dead, be real helpful for them. Mm. The Markel Fultz salary, Fultz, works, Fultz out there. <laughs> Can, I mean, imagine giving up Markel Fultz for Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> I mean, the thing is with the Hawks, the Hawks kind of have two guys that the Sixers could use. Baysmore too. Torian Prince, oh, your, your, your Prince. guy, yeah, that's right. your your yeah. trade guy. You know, yeah. Torian Prince. Yeah, uh, I think there there's a possibility they they would trade Prince. Um, maybe in a deal if they're getting faults back and something more that'd be intriguing see I feel like Philly has to be aggressive here because they've got to get the best possible teams so they can keep Jimmy this summer I feel like Jimmy's out like, I, I kind of <laughs> think just, he's out I, I, I kind of do like he had a what what happened yesterday like 36 he, I mean, minutes he, he, he was, was like just I mean he was playing like he was drunk on offense and crunk on defense his defense is good he made some really sure. nice plays but offensively I don't know what happened to him last night he looked like he couldn't dribble the ball he had some really unusual turnovers what did happen with him, Danny? I, I, it's really weird game. It was a strange game, but it was also like, like so you you had written a piece about Jimmy Butler's uh, increased isolation and pick and roll usage. Yesterday was really the Ben Simmons game. Yeah, I he, mean he was terrific. Brett Brown was effusive in his praise, saying you know it was the best game he's ever had in his career. Um, Twenty six points on ten of thirteen shooting, eight rebounds, six assists. It, it was it was just a complete like masterwork on both ends of the floor. Um, against the Warriors. So yeah, I, that's the thing. It seems like when one is good, the other is yeah. off. It feels like they're never on the same time. Right. I think, you know, on Thursday, Thursday night's game, uh, when the Sixers visited the Lakers, uh, there was talk before the game about how Butler was going to play point guard. And then after the game, it was, you know, Ben Simmons was asked about it and he's like, oh yeah, I had less responsibility on my hands. I, I rewatched a lot of the possession. It's, it didn't seem really any different at all. I mean, Butler mm-hmm. got a, a handful more possessions bringing the ball up. But Ben Simmons was still the primary playmaker right. on that team. Um, and last night against Golden City certainly was the primary guy. Butler handled the ball a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, had, a, had a great pass, I think, to J.J. Redick, who had hit a, a dagger three-point uh, shot. Um, but ultimately, right now, Butler is still the third wheel on this team. And there's definitely a risk that the Clippers or Nets or, or some other team this I, summer. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I like he's Jimmy destined. on the Nets. That would be an interesting team. I think he's destined for the Nets. That brings us to the NBA Watch of the Night. Tonight, we have the Rockets facing the Nuggets. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. The Nuggets are 0-2 versus Houston so far this season. Charks, it seems like Houston's pick-and-roll offense, led by James Harden, has presented some matchup issues for Denver this season. Yeah, they tried. I think the last game they played, they tried to like blitz Harden every single time. And it was like a complete disaster. They got ran, ran off the floor. So they still don't really have a great answer for him with Jokic in that pick and roll. It'll be tough to find answers for them. Um, I, I think, you know, with Capella out um, for a while now, maybe that matchup's a little bit easier. But as we alluded to earlier, Kenneth Fareed has been really nice for them so oh, far. Oh, Fareed revenge game. Yeah. Yes. That. That's <laughs> going to be kind of fun, actually. Yep. Great point. At Nuggets, so if he's going to be ready to go, he's about to fight someone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that one tonight. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. Saturday night, Danny, I know there's one game that you'll oh, yeah. be up late <laughs> watching, staying home, or watching on your phone if you're somewhere out eating some really good food. What game is it, Danny? This is very you know, on brand. I'm going to be out in the club with my phone out watching Hawks Suns. Uh, Let's do Herder She Wrote, Danny. All right, so Herder She Wrote. This has been kind of a tough week for my guy. Uh, he had a neck injury, so he missed you know two games. Uh, came back, hasn't really found his shot yet. But... I recently followed him, followed him on Instagram. He went out bowling the other day. Uh, you get the follow back, Danny? Yeah, I, I did not. Oh, I did not. Oh, here, uh, this is happening. We'll, we'll get it. Did you, did you slide him DMs? I'm your biggest fan. Well, clearly, he doesn't know about this A-plus segment that we do over <laughs> at the Corner 3. <laughs> Let's raise our brand awareness, folks. Let's get on it. Uh, yeah, so he went bowling. Uh, that's, that's the news I have to report. Uh, it's pretty I, bowling's I, bowling's fun. Yeah, bowling's I, fun. That's that's good news. I mean, I like the, it. the thing is, like, he's he's just returning to form. The, the previous ten games before his injury, he was playing like thirty seven minutes a night. Like this dude is like clearly like a building block for this team. So this is a really really silly question. Um, but was it ten standard ten pin bowling or like candle pin bowling? I don't even. 
That's I a deep cut right wait, there. What? I'm not even like, talking dude, about I, this. I, I, was in, I, I was in. I was in. I was, I was in bowling. I mean, I was in bowling club in in high school, but that was just an excuse for me to go bowling every once in a while. I have no idea what what you're talking about. Candle pin bowling is. <laughs> I think it's it's really popular in the Northeast. Um, okay. Candle pin bowling is like with like a smaller ball. <laughs> oh. It's like without a ball without holes in it. So what? I, so, so you holes in the so ball. So you just yeah. like chuck it. Yeah, it's that's, that's can, weird, candle man. pin bowling. Okay, so I just pulled up Wikipedia. It said candle pin bowling was developed in 1880 in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh God! So may, maybe it's not even a Northeast thing. It might just be a, a your literal a your hometown thing. thing. But I, I'll tell you what: I had never played or done ten pin bowling until I was a teenager. Wow! My, Wait, my, KFC, my, are you telling me this seriously. is better than normal bowling? Is that what you're telling me? Look, it's what I prefer because it's what I was raised with. It's really fun. The, the more you, the more you know, man. Mm, this it's is amazing. Fun. If you ever, if you ever, you know, on a food trip or basketball trip in Massachusetts, Danny, I highly recommend. All right, try candle pin bowling. Yeah, man. Speaking about New England, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, <laughs> facing <laughs> facing the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. You guys have any predictions for the game? Who are you going to be watching with? Are you going to be watching? KOC, sell me on why I should want the Patriots to win because I want them to lose real bad. Like, what's that? What's the pitch for me as a non? I mean, I'm not going to try to sell you to to root for a team that's won five Super Bowls this century already and is oh, on, and is in. The, I hope they get. The <laughs> I'm just saying, Charles, oh you you invited they're, this. They're, what are you? They're an easy team to hate. I, I understand that. Totally understand. I'm not going to try to sell you. I just I, I think you know. It's like I always say, you know, with LeBron James, don't take LeBron James for granted. I just don't think, don't take Tom Brady for granted. This is special what's happening right now with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick going to their ninth, losing count, like ninth Super Bowl right now. Hard to, hard to believe. Ninth Super losing Bowl. Losing count. Ah, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's, I mean, I'm, that's what I mean. It's unbelievable. LeBron going to eight straight finals is unbelievable. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick going to their ninth Super Bowl. It's a, uh, it's remarkable. It really is. Do you guys have a prediction for the game? Uh I I mean my heart wants the Rams to win, but I I can't go against like the logic of the Patriots just being mm. the best. <laughs> I just kind of I kind of like the storybook of it. The Patriots run starts with beating the Rams, it ends with losing to the Rams. It Ooh, kind of wraps perfectly. Poetic. Yeah. I prefer it with the Patriots beating the Rams again. And then and then them continuing to go to more Super Bowls in the coming years. <laughs> Um, I know, and everybody hates me. I'm a Patriots fan. I, I've not, you know, you deserve okay. it. That's why. <laughs> um. Anyway, that was cool, guys. But it's all we have time for today. Danny, John, thank you. Yep, absolutely. All right, y'all. Good stuff. Looking forward to next Friday. Thank you, guys, again, and thank you for listening to the Corner Three. Please give us a five star rating on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your dog. Tell Shay Serrano. Tweet your favorite player. Tell everybody about the show. That would be really appreciated. Thank you. Special shout out to Bobby Wagner for producing the podcast. Thank you again for listening. On Monday, John Gonzalez will be back with a new episode of Heat Check. Then I'll be joining Chris Vernon on Tuesday for the mismatch. Check out you know my article on, on Chris Stapps on The Ringer. John wrote about it from the Mavs perspective, and Roger Sherman wrote about it from a Knicks fan perspective. All that's really cool stuff to read. Until then, hope you have a beautiful weekend.